liberty now just doesn't have the same phrase. But the idea of liberty is, well, we already fought. What's this, the Civil War? If you went to someone, the average New Yorker or the average American and said, hey, don't you want to be free? They think, Mm -hmm. I'm free. I went to work today. I'm free. Yeah, you're free to work. Yeah. Free to get a license. Free to apply for a permit. Free to get your registration. Free to ask for permission from the crown. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And they see that as freedom. So Ugh. the word itself doesn't have meaning without having context. Transmitting directly from the launch pad. <laughs> Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my truth, the beautiful Miss Rayleigh Lightheart. Hello, hello. Hi, Johnny. How you doing, sweetie? I am having the time of my life watching everything get ready for the convention for LPWA and seeing the team come together and putting together a really cool party and, and event with speakers and everything like that. I'm sad that you're no longer with LPWA, but I was actually going to ask you tonight how everything's going over in Arizona and if you're getting set up down there and you know into the party and going to be working over there. Uh, no, I haven't even unpacked my bags. I know, actually, I just got done unpacking my bags and I got to find that J-O-B. So for those who have not heard or have been under a rock, I've moved to Arizona. So I am now currently in Arizona at our new studio called the Escape Pod. And I don't necessarily mean it from Washington, but I definitely think it's a pretty cool little gig here. I, I really like the studio here that we have in the house. So I'm, I'm really digging the new place. But yes, I do plan on, Raylene, I do plan on getting involved in Arizona LP stuff. So I think that would be a great, yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, I got Cam here and, you know, she can kind of like, hey, this is so-and-so. He's cool. You know, he's cool. You know, and that kind of thing. You know, I get to know. Oh, jeez. You know, the ins Starting and out. the bleeps already. <laughs> yeah. So, Ben, thanks. There you go. So, uh, you know, Raylene, I'm excited. I've been having a great time. The weather here is absolutely beautiful. It's been like 85 to 90 degrees every day. I'm going to be hurting in the summer. Yeah. I'm going to be hurting in the summer. But besides that, everything is good to go. Good. It's absolutely good to go. All right. So, okay. So, you know what? Are you ready to bring out this very special guest. You know I am, Johnny. You know, you get excited about these people. And I just <laughs> want to make... I'm not to say I'm excited. I'm trying not to say the words. That's okay, hilarious, though, as you say. Just say it. Just do it for... I am so excited to Bam! talk to our guest. There we go. I love it. Okay, so check this out. Larry Sharp is an American business consultant, entrepreneur, and political activist. He was the candidate for the Libertarian Party nomination for Vice President of the United States in 2016. Sharp is the founder and managing director of Neosage Group Incorporated. On July 12, 2017, he announced his candidacy for governor of New York in 2018 election. Ray Lane, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. Thrusters are hot. Raylene, are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with Larry Sharp. Welcome to the show, my friend. How you doing, man? I am tired. I am always tired. That's what I... I'm always tired. Yes. The life of a candidate. The life of a <laughs> candidate. I've been doing this, believe it or not, since last summer. I basically have taken no time off for about a year and two months. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Every time I see you, man, you are like hustling. You are out there hustling. I gotta hustle, man. When you're... If you're... Look, what I'm trying to do here more than anything is I'm trying to model the behavior that I want, right? I want more libertarian candidates to be doing what I'm doing, so I can't sit here and point the finger at you if I'm not ready to do it myself. That's right. I say all the time, you gotta run early. So I ran early. I say you gotta run a real campaign. You can't just go to work. So I'm running a real campaign. I say you gotta go raise money. So I'm going to raise money. Yeah. I'm doing everything I've been telling people to do. So I'm showing them it can be done. I want this to become the norm for our party. And I want everyone to be running exactly the same way. The thing is, Larry, I, I find it impressive that you've been on the Joe Rogan experience. You've been on all these networks or all these big, big shows. And you're actually getting some real attention. 
Like people are actually listening to you. Yes. The issue here is twofold, right? The first thing is I've understood and accepted that I'm not going to get the mainstream media so they can go to hell. Okay. I'm getting non-traditional media and eventually that's going to lead to mainstream media. They don't have a choice. It's right. going to happen eventually, right? They, they bleed over. And I don't want to be the guy who says, I'm so mad they don't give me coverage. I just ignore them then. You make your own coverage. You make your That's own correct. coverage. Yeah. That's what I do. Yes, which is why I go on all kind of podcasts, big or small. I join niche media all the time. I'll do a vaping podcast. That's awesome. Right? I will do, yes, I do niche media like that all, right. all the time. Because here's what people don't realize. Niche media is amazing because if you're under 40, guaranteed you're part of niche media. If you're over 40, you're probably part of niche media in some way, shape, or form. Right. There's something that you're into, something that you like, at least one thing, if not many, that you've decided you care about enough that you're going to you know, listen to the podcast or watch the blog or whatever the case may be. If you care about that thing that much, when they bring a guy like me on, you listen. That's right. Because you care about this thing. Right. So you actually hear me, and that's what I want. I, if I can't be heard, I can't possibly win. But there's a second piece here. If you notice whenever I'm on these on, on any of these, I don't talk about libertarianism or about liberty at all. What I talk about is libertarian solutions to their problems. That's the key. Yep, I'm with you. I'm not trying to make people libertarians. I'm trying to get them to believe that their way may not be the only way. Just think that, and I win. Think outside the box, right? Yes. Exactly. Good point, Larry. And I, I like it because, you know, when we were establishing Launchpad Media with Raylene, she's the director, one of our directors and myself and Alexander and all the crew that we have, we went out of our way to say, let's not use that word liberty. And I'm not saying that I have a problem with the word. It just seems to me like it's kind of unpopular. Like people get turned off by that word. And so like, yes. I kind of mask it and throw some like, you know, costumes over the, over the ideas of liberty. I can't do it really well. I suck at it, Larry, but like I do my best, you know what I'm saying? But like, really, it's, yeah. it, just, it just seems to me if you throw that word libertarianism or liberty, automatically people shut you down. Well, the thing is, I don't use liberty that much because for the average American, it doesn't have any actual value. They don't know what the word means. Right. Right. They think liberty is an old world word from like the 1700s. But I use libertarian a lot. And there's a reason why I do that. If you notice in every single piece of press I've gotten, I've gotten probably now hundreds by the, over the course of this year. Every time it says libertarian gubernatorial candidate, libertarian governor for New York, libertarian candidate, candidate of the libertarian party. I did it on purpose. I'm trying to rebrand the word. Right. The word is there. But right now, people say all the time, libertarian. Well, that's Rand Paul. And I say, no, he's Republican. Right. I say all the time, he's Republican. But he's libertarian. No, he's a Republican. Right. He's libertarian leaning. Right. Exactly. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with libertarian leaning or even liberty leaning. I'm fine with that. I don't, because that's often true. Totally fine with that. But they're not libertarians. They're not. They're Republicans. And I'm not against them being Republicans. It's just clear they're not libertarians. And I want to fix the brand of libertarian because libertarians can be left or right leaning or, or middle of the road leaning or anything. Right. The idea that libertarians are, are, are socially liberal and, and, and physically conservative is simply not true for each individual. It winds up being relatively true for the party as a whole. But the individuals are very different. There are, there are individuals in the Libertarian Party that are very, very liberal and are very conservative. Right. They just don't want to use force to make other people do what they want. I'm with you on this. I'm down. Which is why I, I often don't use that that phrase, physically uh, conservative and socially liberal. I often don't use that. Unless Thank God. they're asking about the party as a whole. And then I could introduce the party as a whole with that as long as I have more time to explain the details. So I have a question for you because what you were saying about liberty and no one knows what it means anymore and you're in New York, so I know you know exactly what you're talking about. Liberty, if no one knows what it is, then although the founders weren't perfect, how were they able to succeed in selling the idea of liberty back then? What's the difference? So they just liked it more? No, the word simply had meaning then. Right. Oh, yeah. So it's a cultural been, issue. Yes. It's like me saying 23 skidoo. What the hell does that mean now? That means three beers and a shot of bourbon. There we go. I guess. I have no idea. <laughs> but, you know, a hundred years ago, that meant let's get out of here. Right. Yeah. Now, I don't know what the hell it means now. So it's just the word has the, the word has changed. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one says humbug anymore. Mm-hmm. Liberty now just doesn't have the same phrase. Right? The idea of liberty is, well, we already fought. What's this, the Civil War? We're done. Yeah. Done. 
So I think that's it. It's not that the word itself doesn't have the meaning. It's just culturally, it doesn't have that that hit. It seems almost like if you went to someone, the average New Yorker or the average American and said, hey, don't you want to be free? They mm-hmm. think I'm free. I want to work today. I'm free. Yeah, right. that's how they think. Yeah, you're free to work. Yeah. Free to get a license, free yeah. to apply for a permit. Free to get your registration. Free to ask for permission from the crown. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. And they see that as freedom. So Ugh. the word itself doesn't have meaning without having context. I'm with you, man. Yes. So you've got to be able to create context. Okay, Larry. Okay, you ready for the Captain Obvious question? Captain Obvious question coming up, right? Okay. Why are you running, right? And what would your ideal New York State look like? Basically, how do you envision if you win... What are the things you want to accomplish in your time? And what do you hope New York State? How many hours do you have? <laughs> oh, my God. We have like four hours if you want. I don't all care, right. man. We can rock this all night. I actually spoke for four hours straight at a college. Okay, well, wow. I'm have not to joking. Go to bed. I literally spoke for four hours <laughs> We won't hours do that to you, straight. sir. We won't. Wow. Because there's that many things in New York State to repair. Remember, New York State was ranked 50th by Cato when it comes to freedom. Bottom. Yeah. Bottom. We, yep. we beat California. Take that, California. So, yes, we beat <laughs> California for the bottom of the barrel. So, yeah, there's a whole lot to fix. But I'm running for actually a very selfish reason. I don't want to move. There you go. <laughs> you know, I mean, my, it sucks moving, man. I know how you feel. It does. I don't want to move. Yeah. I love New York State. It's a beautiful state. And for those people who don't know, we have, you know, amazing mountains like Colorado, farmland like the Midwest. We have a, a waterfall, Niagara Falls, one of the best in the entire continent. We have the largest city in the entire nation. We have rivers and lakes and everything you can imagine in this state. It's a beautiful, diverse state. People love this state, but they hate the government. That's the problem. Right. And the issue is, I don't know if you know this, but again, I know a lot of your listeners aren't New Yorkers, but over a hundred thousand new yorkers every single year leave the state mm-hmm. wow we've lost over a million since our recent king took the throne eight years ago i think i just read about the governor or mayor talking about why Irvin was leaving and i think he had a hilarious reason he said it was, it was the weather that's right yes he said it was the weather <laughs> yeah that's the reason well look at seattle the weather yeah. sucked I mean, it didn't rain as much as people think it does, Larry, but at the same time, it's just cloudy. I think New York actually gets more rain than Seattle does, but it's just cloudy. It's constantly cloudy. Where in New York, I think they have big breaks in the weather, but that could actually affect you. Yeah, but but 100,000 people a year, a million people don't leave in eight years because it rains. That's right. Well, I don't know. A lot of old people moved to Arizona. You know why? Because we are ranked 50th when it comes to retirement. (laughs) That's why. We're bottom of the barrel when it comes to retirement, too. That's the reason. Oh, my gosh. That's good. Yeah. That's why they leave. Now, this is for New York State. This is a big problem. Here's why. New York State is the most unionized state in the entire country, Mm -hmm. which means we have massive pension plans, right? Right. So we're paying huge chunks in our pension plan. Our pension plan right now that we're spending excuse me, out of our state budget, is 15% of a $170 billion um, budget. We're dropping $25 billion every year for pensions in New York State. Now, here's the worst part. So many of those people, they don't live in New York State anymore. Right. (gasps) So they're spending those pensions that we're paying for in other states. It's so bad that Rick Scott, the governor of Florida, thanked our governor Cuomo because of all the money he's giving him. I, I heard that. Wow. Yes. We wow. are literally writing checks to Florida or to Arizona or to Mexico. Sorry, or, or to um, New Mexico or to um, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. In North Carolina, South Carolina, there's so many New Yorkers moving there. They have a name for us. They call us halfbacks. Because <laughs> you move to Florida and halfway back. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's, that's pretty so funny. funny. That's funny. Yes. That's, that should not exist. What is your New York life looking like? Is it like in the movies and TV? Do you go to New York shows? Do you have a penthouse? Are you in Manhattan? Is that a thing? Or do you just live like everybody else in New York? I want a penthouse. That's amazing. No, <laughs> uh, uh, no I, I'm, a, I'm a business guy who needs to live by a big city so I can do when I used to work. I don't work any. I don't really work anymore. Um, I lost 50 per, over 50% of my income last year doing this. Yeah. And I will lose over 75% of my income doing it this year. I have a wife, two children. My wife does not work and I live in New York City. So you can oh. imagine my bills. Yeah, so you must have made quite a bit before. <laughs> I, made a, just I made a decent amount. I did. Yeah. I made a decent amount to survive and live in New York City with, with only one income. It's true. I'm a business consultant and there's a lot of business here in New York. That's true. 
but I'm just taking a bath now. I mean, I'm just yeah. taking a massive bath, but I'm taking a bath for two reasons. Uh, reason number one is I don't want to move. Right. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I really don't want to move. Yeah. I love my city. I love my state. I'd rather just stay. But if it doesn't, if it's not going to change, why would I stay? But right. the other thing is, this is the most important. And I mean this totally forward, be forward. The most important single election in the nation. Now, not multiple elections combined are obviously more important. But as yeah. a single election, there is none more important. Why? Because if I win this thing, it changes the entire nation overnight. Wow. No other single election can say that this year. This yep. year, if I win this thing and we turn New York State gold this year, a libertarian candidate wins New York State, that will change the entire nation. The libertarian Party will be the premier party. It'll be a real third party overnight. Wow. Wow. A lot of pressure. Yes. Here's the thing, Larry. New York, you guys have this thing called uh, fusion voting. Yep. Now, do you believe that fusion voting actually helps or hurts libertarian candidates in your state? Totally hurts. Really? Yeah, because... The, the idea was, the concept was obviously is that you could, you know, it would be possible that different parties would be able to align with different candidates so they wouldn't have to run their own candidates. And one candidate could align with the, 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 the needs and requirements of niche parties. Okay. That's not how it worked. What actually happens is people simply create parties so, so that they can have more lines on the ballot. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so like the, the Democrat will have four lines on the ballot. The Republican will have four lines on the ballot. I get one. Wow. Oh, wow. That's how it actually works. So in theory, it's good. In, in in practice, it doesn't work. One more thing, though, regarding like the party recognition in the state of New York. To run for governor, governor candidate or gubernatorial candidate, you have to get at least 50,000 votes in the election. No, no, that's not true. It isn't. Um, okay. No, you can run anything you want. You just have to get a whole bunch of signatures. Okay. To be recognized as an official party in New York State, which means your amount of signatures you have to get is significantly less. You have to achieve 50,000 votes. To gain party recognition. Correct. Okay. To gain party recognition, you have to get 50,000 votes or more in a gubernatorial election only. So literally, Gary Johnson could have carried New York State. He could have won New York State in theory. We would still not be an official party in New York State. Didn't you guys have like a guy named Warren Redlick or something? He achieved. He almost got it. Yeah, he got like 48,000. Okay. And with this campaign, though, what is your campaign team doing right now to ensure your victory? Because I think you have. A, Are a, you insane? <laughs> Why? You even asked me that question? I did, dude. I think you have a shot. We are so far past it. It's in, Gary Johnson in 2016 got 175,000 votes in New York State and he showed up for five minutes. Wow. He showed up and said, hi, I'm Gary J-, and left. He didn't finish son. Okay. And, <laughs> and he got, he and got, he got a hundred thousand votes. Well, there you go. So yeah, it's no, a shoe that's in. so far behind us. Do you know my, the last poll we did, I, I polled at 13%. Okay. 13% was my last poll. So, and that was three weeks ago. So I'm only going up. Okay. There will be probably give or take probably 4 million votes, give or take in New York state, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But odds are 4 million. If you multiply that by 13%, that's over half a million votes. Wow. So just at 13% that and beautiful. just that 4 million, I break half a million votes. Wow. That's a start. And that well, was three weeks ago. And I'm still going up. And my name recognition, and this was a name recognition at 33%. Okay. So you're looking pretty good now. I mean, that's, yeah, that's great. That's great. Really good. Yes. That's great. And there's going to be debates on Thursday. And debates on Thursday, if they're actually televised and the big boys actually show up, which they may or may not, if they actually show up, that's going to be huge. Wow. That's amazing. This is a winnable race. I'm out here to win this thing. I love this. I'm doing five events. Five events in New York City the day before Election Day. On Monday the 5th, I'm doing five events and they will all be put live on Facebook. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you, Johnny. 50,000 votes. That's, that's, that's high school. Yeah, it is. That's the kids table. That's like taking a, that's like, yeah, the kids table. I'm like, I got to sit in the, I got to sit in the other room on the card table Absolutely. at Thanksgiving. That's, you know, you know with the I'm kids. the only yeah. guy, and you and I were talking about this. I think it might've been you and I, we talked about this before. I'm the only guy who doesn't care about ballot access. Mm-hmm. Only guy does not care. Everyone talks about ballot. I said, I don't care about ballot. They go, You're crazy. It's everything. No, it's nothing. And here's the reason why. The actual answer to the Libertarian Party is victory. Yes. Go to win 
And guess what will happen as a byproduct? Right. Ballot access. We're shooting for ballot access and barely getting that. The goal is wrong. Right. The goal is victory. We'll get ballot access. Okay. But the rules, the laws, here's the reality. The rules and laws suck because people don't want to hear from us. But when people want to hear from us, they'll change the rules and laws. That's how it works. It's all about changing culture like you were talking about before. Yes, it is. Changing culture. I don't care about this. Well, the rules say this. If the people hate the rules, the rules will change. We've got to get the people to hate the rules. Larry, I have a question now regarding, you know, your past. How has your military experience, how has that impacted your political views? Like, I know that it has with mine. It actually made me a libertarian, like being in the in the army. I was in the army for 10 years and I became a libertarian because of that. That's not what happened to me. Um, I bounced around a lot. I was when I was raised, I was raised in New York City in the Bronx. Right. I was raised in a very simple household. Democrats are good because of Democrats. Republicans are evil because of Republicans. That's it. Done deal. Right. Um, that's what that's how I was raised. But then when I was 17, I joined the Marine Corps. Marine Corps is the most conservative, as you know, the most conservative branch. Right. And my first commander in chief was Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. So when I joined the Marine Corps, almost everyone that I respected and that I loved and that I would have died for, literally died for, they were all conservatives. So I think I became far more conservative as a youngster. Right. So as a kid, I was raised as, as a Democrat. As um, a young man, I was much more of a Republican, but I never joined a party either way. I just kind of voted that way. Right. Then I got very disenchanted by the 90s. Mm-hmm. I didn't like any of it. And I was the kind of guy, I was like, you know, I'm going to vote Perot because he's not them. And then I was like, Nader's the guy again because he's not them. And I was just anti-establishment. Right. I don't know if I was libertarian yet. Yeah. I, yeah, I might have been leaning that way. But to be forward, I didn't know what a libertarian was then. Sure. And I, to be fair, I also didn't know what NATO stood for or what um, Perot stood for. I just knew they they weren't the major two. Yeah, and they were getting a lot of publicity, and people are they were they were stirring. Exactly. And I was ready to kind of quit everything until 2012, and I heard Gary Johnson speak. Mm-hmm. And when Gary Johnson spoke, he's someone I could hear because he's an entrepreneur like me. And I was like, oh, he's making some sense. And then what he said kind of linked me towards what I'd already heard, which I was moving towards libertarian theory. Not because of politics, but because of business. Again, I'm a business consultant. I've been one for many years. And one of the people who I read was a guy named Robert Ringer. And I don't know if you happen to know Robert Ringer, but Robert Ringer has written many books on marketing, on business, on you know how to change your, your way of life, that okay. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I read many of his books. Robert Ringer was an objectivist. Mm-hmm. And he always said, you should read Ayn Rand and things like that. So I did. But I never became an objectivist. That just didn't stick with me. But I... But I understood the concepts behind it. I think that opened me up to being a libertarian. I was thinking more libertarian uh, already. Okay. So from that, when Gary Johnson, I heard Gary Johnson speak, and I I thought, libertarian, what's that? So I literally went to the libertarian events. And that's where I heard Hayek and Mises and, ah, okay. And then I started to read. So I'm a a late political bloomer Mm -hmm. when it comes to libertarianism. But I was already on on page kind of economically for my day to day life. I was already teaching. I was teaching already what I call post-industrial leadership, mm-hmm. which is basically libertarian leadership, which is, you know, management was good when it was industrial age. But now once you add technology, management is nowhere near as valuable. What is valuable is leadership, mm-hmm. which is getting people to want to do, not using force, not using the stick but using the carrot, getting people to want to do, giving them personal freedom to make their own decisions, but keeping them accountable and retaining transparency in your procedures so that things work well. You will get innovation, right? The thing I use all the time is uh, personal freedom plus accountability plus transparency equals innovation. It's a good equation I used to use in business and I still use it. Right. So I was kind of already there. And then once I started actually becoming part of the party in 2013 and 2012, it was easier for me to kind of explain libertarian theory because i've been teaching it in colleges for years and not knowing it wow that's interesting because it's like leadership is the art of influencing others to accomplish a mission by providing purpose direction and motivation bingo you know what i'm saying that's what it's about man you want to make people for you and they want to because they believe in the message yes that's simple absolutely well speaking of leadership larry you have so many volunteers on your campaign and they all just speak so highly of you and they just it's so amazing what's the secret to making these volunteers want to work for you to feel like they're making a difference and want to be on your team yeah pe- this is the funny thing people say larry you know you run your your campaign great i hear it all the time you know you're the way you run this you run that you know oh my god you i don't run anything wow i don't run anything they do it yeah i have no idea what's happening on, on half my team at any given day no idea <laughs> 
No idea. So, what trust? That's amazing. Yes. yes. That's correct. I have no idea what's going on with Launchpad Media right now, to be honest. <laughs> I have Don't no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give them access to my calendar. I tell them what we should be doing. When they have trouble, they ask me. I guide them. When they make mistakes, that's why we started so early. We started early because I knew we'd make lots of mistakes. That's why yeah. we started so early. And as we make mistakes, I correct them. They learn. They get it. They're leaders themselves. They correct. They don't need me anymore. Wow. That, that's the point. Right. That, so like that's leadership how, versus that's management. That's how you lead, period. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? People go, oh, my God, you're, you're, uh, what you do on tour is amazing. I'm like, it is? Okay, yeah. it is. Cool. Yeah, because we yeah. got Jim over there doing it. Yes. And I have no idea. But he sounds great. I love what yeah. Jim's doing. But he's writing yeah. in my voice. Did I early on yeah. chatting with them? Of course I did. We spent time talking a lot. Good leaders communicate, then they communicate and communicate and over communicate. And that's what I did. In the first in the first months of the campaign, we, we had calls at least two, one or two or three times a week. And we would they'd ask you questions. How would you answer this? How would you answer that? I would correct them. We'd make mistakes. We still make mistakes. I just correct them and we move on. Right on. And I've never been afraid of making a mistake. I'm wrong all the time. Aren't we and all? Because I'm wrong all the time and I tell people I'm wrong. And I apologize when I'm when I'm wrong. I don't apologize for nothing. I only apologize when I think I'm wrong. People go, oh, he apologized. Okay, and they move on. There you have it. Hey, anyway, so this is Blast Off of Johnny Rocket. We're talking to Larry Sharp, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Thank you. Anyway, so we have Rocket Fire coming up next. So stick around, and we'll be right back with Mr. Larry Sharp. Why do people hate libertarians? One part of America calls them soulless robber barons who want to stick children back in factories, and the other part thinks they're drugged-up anarchists. Who are they? And why have regular Americans been told to avoid libertarians and their ideas? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, Amazon best-selling author of Stay Away from the Libertarians, where I'm going to debunk the myths, misconceptions, and outright lies thrown at libertarians, ranging from the idea that votes can be stolen to the radical notion that you own yourself. From personal stories to ignore history, I lay out the facts and ask you if these dastardly libertarians are as much of a threat as the mainstream media and establishment politicians make them seem. You can go ahead and get a copy in print and in Kindle e-reader on Amazon today. Stay away from the libertarians by Remso W. Martinez. Available on Amazon. Johnny Rocket's two-minute hate speech, banned in Canada, take 13. It's that magical time again where all of us chattel slaves to the state are granted the privilege of voting for which form of oppression we prefer. This year, I was faced with a bit of an ethical dilemma in the form of an initiative on the Washington ballot, Initiative 1634. Do I vote yes to add a law to prohibit additional taxes on groceries in Washington State? Or do I vote no to leave the law as is? Let me say that again. Do I vote to add a law to prohibit additional taxes? What kind of back-ass words dumb it is that. Why the f- would we vote to add another law to the cumbersome roster of rules and regulations that serve to bind and gag us American citizens to counteract an existing law? I may just be a hasty rocketeer here, but wouldn't we just want to, I don't know, repeal the f- law rather than add another one? And since when in the entire history of humanity have we ever found that vesting more power in the state has somehow manifested in less power in the state? Furthermore, when has the state ever illustrated itself to somehow be an independent, impartial judge of its own misdeeds? If I have to excuse myself from a vote in a simple board meeting of Launchpad Media regarding my fiancé to avoid a conflict of interest, why in God's good name would we permit the state to make decisions about the state and determine if the state needs to have the state enforce laws the state is broken? Are you guys confused yet? Because I, I'm confused. Who is benefiting from this initiative? That's the question we failed to ask. Where is the pork? Who's bankrolling this? What do they have to gain? And what other laws are attached to the bottom of that initiative? The only true counterbalance to the Leviathan of the state is simply this, guys. Freedom. Not more laws. Not more enforcement agencies. Not more stuff suit bureaucrats. Just Guys, it's simple. Unencumbered freedom. So adding a law to reduce another law. Just repeal the You don't replace law with another law. That's not freedom, guys. That's statist
Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. so much for taking the time to come out on the show. Larry, you're uh, you're a man of many words, and I love it. That's true. And, and we didn't even have to ask you any questions, and I love these shows. You just go. And we're like, yep. okay, we could be lazy on the show. Man, those are the best shows. I'm doing, I'm doing your job, my friend. Doing your job because I can. I love it. I love it. So what we do, Larry, is on the second segment, we have a thing called Rocket Fire. What we do on Rocket Fire, sir, is I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These 10 questions will be politically related, and if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, That'd be badass. Larry, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? Fire. Ready to play, yes. All right, here we go. Question one. Is there something that you believe is true that almost nobody agrees with you on? Yes. The more you want to be correct, the less friends you'll have. Okay. And any examples on that? Uh, yeah, every, every know-it-all who you don't want to talk to. <laughs> so, other libertarians? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Okay. Question two. Do you think the risk is high for another great recession? Do you think the financial system was more stable in the past? Yes, there is risk of a great recession, 100%. It's going to happen eventually. It has to. And yes, it was more stable in the past because we've done nothing to fix the problems that we have. So yes. Right on. Question three. Would you like to see a New York where there wasn't any gun laws at all? Um, No gun laws at all? Yeah. Wow, that, that is such a, in New York State, we have a, a law which says how a gun is loaded. Mm-hmm. And that means ammunition in the vicinity of the firearm. Right. So one table, there's a firearm. The next table is a box of ammunition. That firearm's loaded. Really? That's where we are now. Right. You, and you want me to think without any laws, you're asking me, Larry, do you think you're going to see a leprechaun? <laughs> Same thing. It's impossible. <laughs> okay, no, but I was asking you, do you think, would you like to see it? I like to see a leprechaun, sure. Okay, yeah. there we go. I like it. Question four. Has identity politics helped or hurt you? Uh, both. It has done both. Uh, people very quickly say, you're not the thing I expect you to be, so they get angry or shut me down. But the advantage is, once I turn them, they are solidly, they get it completely. They are very strong supporters. So it has done both. It has initially turned people off, but if I stay with them a little bit longer... They are very, very strong supporters. Right on, man. Question five. In your own words, could you define the non-aggression principle and do you believe it's a central tenet to libertarianism? Yes, it is. And it means you can be as liberal or as conservative as you, or as conservative as you want to be as long as you don't force yourself on anybody else. That's the number one thing. Uh, we understand that law is also a form of force. And therefore, you should never use law unless it's serious. Why? Because at the end of every law is a person with a gun, and that person is going to put you in a cage. And if you don't want to go in that cage, they're going to shoot you, which means you only want to use law when there is loss of liberty, loss of property, loss of life, or threat to loss of liberty or, or property or life or health. Then you should use force. Otherwise, you should not. Bam. Great answer. Question six. Of all the people currently declared running for president on the Libertarian Party ticket, which candidate do you like best? I don't know who's running. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know if Bill Weld is. I don't know. I don't know if he actually threw his hat in or not. I don't know who's running. All right. We'll skip this one. Question seven. Is there ever a time we should go to war 
with our own country. Is there a justification for that? Of course, there has to be because the oath that I took and the oath that all executives take is the same oath. It is to defend the constitution, protect and defend the constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So by default, yes. But like what I'm getting at is what would justify, in your opinion, what would justify an attack on the constitution? Literally. Okay. There so we have trying it. to take over the government, stopping the constitution. Yes. Anything of that sort. Yes. Right on, man. Question eight. Should we draw a line in the sand regarding free speech? And how does it change in regards to public and private property? Yeah, I think you do draw a line. And it's the same thing as a non-aggression principle, right? Mm -hmm. If my speech is either obviously threatening or obviously hurting. Now, when I say hurting, I mean physically hurting or physically threatening, right? If I say, I don't like your haircut, that's not obviously hurting. If I said, you know, hey, you over there, I'm going to come kill you. If you get a haircut, that's a threat. That's, yeah, I draw a line there. So you should draw a line when it comes to uh, something that is obviously threatening or obviously going to hurt somebody. Right on, man. Question nine. If you're not elected, which of the other candidates would you prefer to win and why for governor of New York? None. None of them. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? If you had to pick one, the less. I pick me. Pick you. (laughs) I pick me. That's the one I got to pick me. Okay. That's the one I want. Otherwise, I'm packing up and moving to North Carolina. What the hell do I care? There you go. All right, man. Question 10. Do you think it's okay for a candidate to take a non-libertarian position like increasing the minimum wage or advocating for foreign intervention and still call themselves a libertarian? Wow. that you The word you used there was advocating for, and that's my problem. Okay. I definitely understand simply not taking a stance or not fighting it because I've had to do that myself often. There are just so many things that are broken in any given state or any given nation or any given district that just simply can't attack all of them because they're so broken. So you let some of them just go because you just, if you fight on certain battlefields, you'll wind up losing everything. Mm -hmm. So I'll modify that. Advocate? No. But accept because you're fixing other things? Yes. All right on. And bonus question. You're going to like this one. Who is your favorite living libertarian anarchist and who is your favorite libertarian minarchist? Anarchist is probably Robert Ringer. And I think he's considered himself anarchist. I think he does. Okay. And minarchist is still Gary Johnson. I love Gary Johnson. I'll never stop loving Gary Johnson. Okay. And then we have bonus question too because I'm totally lying. Right. <laughs> Cause, okay. Because I think this is a good question. What's your favorite part of the libertarian platform? The preamble. In fact, if, if we if we were to do anything, that that's the most important piece. Right on, man. Anyways, so that's Rocket Fire. Give it up for Larry Sharp. Good job, Larry. Good Thank job, you. man. Anyways, so this is Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray Truth, Miss Raylene Lighthart. We're talking to Larry Sharp. We're going to take a quick commercial break, so we'll be right back. Rock and roll. Baby, you're the cutest thing I've ever seen. If you keep on doing me wrong, baby, you're bitten on gone. So, baby, why you do your daddy wrong? Hey, baby, this cyclone is lots of too long. If you keep on doing me wrong, babe, you're betting on gone. You're my loving queen Yeah, you keep on doing me wrong, babe You're betting on gone I'm telling you, baby Mama and Papa didn't raise no fool So, baby It's time you stop being so cruel If you keep on doing me wrong, babe You're betting on gone time to shake up your podcast feed folks by subscribing to lions of liberty the only libertarian variety show out there spend mondays with me mark claire as i feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions electric liberty land with me brian mcwilliams every wednesday your weekly dose of comedy culture and liberty and felony fridays with me john odermatt where i expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system 
Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Ground Control here. Well, the ship's radar system has detected that we're short about a minute of content for this week's episode, and this has tripped the alarm system, so I've been forced to interrupt the show and provide some comedic relief as filler material. I'm no comedian, but I suppose I'll give it a shot. Why did the Libertarian cross the road? Trick question. Libertarians hate roads. Where do congressmen go when they die? They lie still. What makes someone a true libertarian? Well, I can tell you, but really you should read my favorite book. What makes Bill Weld a libertarian? Well, this actually isn't a joke. I'm just dying to know. Can someone please explain that to me? Honestly, I don't get it. Well, anyways, we have filled enough airspace now to finish the show. Thank God, because I already ran out of my best material, and I would have had to improvise. Well, anyways, let's get back to it. Rock and roll. Talking to the one and only Mr. Larry D. Sharp. Running here, thank you. Running for governor of New York 2018. And uh, dude, I'm really excited that you're here, and I really am excited because you're excited. You're really excited to do what you do. It actually deserves a lot of respect because you're putting your neck out on the line. You are putting everything you have to do something in which you believe. And want people to follow me, yes. You know, and that's yeah. what it takes, man. And it, it takes it takes a leap of faith sometimes in life. I've learned that myself. There's calculated risks, but sometimes you just got to lead with your heart. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? like And with purpose. And with mm-hmm. purpose. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you know, some people could say, Larry, you're throwing away your business. You're throwing away all these things that you're doing, right? Because you had a career. You have a business. You were making tons of money to afford to live in New York anywhere. Yep. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to drop it. I'm too lazy to move. And I'm just going to start. I'm going to run for governor and I'm going to win. Yes, that's pretty much it. Yep. You know what I mean? Dude, that takes a lot of co- Honus. You know what I'm saying? Well, again, I think that if we if I do this right, my hope is we begin to get others to follow. That's really how am I going to sit here when next year comes the year after and someone wants to run and I'm going to say you need to run harder. And I haven't done it myself. I, yeah. I don't I don't get to point the finger at you. Unless I can point it at myself. Mm-hmm. It's how I like to live my life too, Larry. In fact, I refuse to be a hypocrite. It's, it's. I mean, if I do, it's an unwillingly or unknowingly, and I try to fix it immediately. I remedy that. I, I feel the same way. You got to lead from the front, especially as a libertarian, because we have a lot of complaints. So we actually have to try to live it. Uh, speaking of, all the time people say, oh, you know how Larry Sharp says, and they give you credit with the 80-20 rule, which you know what I'm talking about. Is there any topic or idea that could be in that 20% that you would not accept drawing a line? I think everyone has that, right? Uh, the, the, sure. the issue of 80-20 is it really is your 80-20 and certain things may be worth more than 20. Yeah. Right. So it's, for some people, I mean, you mentioned earlier the, the minimum wage, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Some people, might, it might be that. If he won't get rid of the minimum wage, that's 25% for me. But no, I, I think as a general rule, the person's my ally if it's 80-20. Would I consider them a, a libertarian at, to the point that we talked about earlier? If they're advocating for something that's not libertarian, probably not. If they're letting something go, I'm fine with that. Look, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. In fact, my rule is when I do the, because I love what you're saying with the 80-20 and I, I, I get it. I'm actually an ANCAP, but I'm a libertarian. We're all libertarians. We're all doing this together. And the only time I hold anyone accountable is if they're a libertarian and if they say they are, 
And if that 20% where they disagree, it's not letting it pass. It's if they advocate for more state force, then I have an issue. You've hit it mm-hmm. perfect. That's exactly my point. Yes. Thank yes, you. I'm with yeah. you on that. If you're a Republican yeah. or Democrat, I can still consider you my ally yes. if I agree 80%. But you're not libertarian. You're just an ally. You're a yeah. libertarian-leaning whatever. Sure. That's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to call yourself libertarian, you can't be advocating for it. You can say more alone. Exactly. There are some things I, I just think that you're right, really, and I agree with you that if there are certain things, if you're, you want to use the state to enforce something and you're still in agreement with the state being used to enforce something through violence. It already exists. It already exists. Exactly is wrong. When I think of the 80-20 rule, Larry, I look at it like this. The 20% could be what do you prioritize as important? Yes. Okay. Yes. Versus yes. I'm going to throw away the entire ideology of libertarianism. Like it should be that 20% should be, Hey, you know what? I believe that we should get rid of the department of education and we could have a discussion regarding, you know, I like Larry, but his priority isn't the department of education. His priority is the federal reserve, for example. Right. Bingo. Right. Yes. That to me is the 80, 20 thing where that would come in. But I don't think it would apply to principles, fundamental libertarian principles. But there, 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 but there might be one, one or two exceptions. For example, you, know, you find somebody who say, and this is that this actually happens. Why I bring it up? Had a guy who came to one of our meetings and he was like, "But we can't get rid of NASA, can can we? I mean, NASA helps so much." Uh-huh. And in my mind, I was like, "You know what? If the guy wants to keep NASA, fine. That's the last thing we'll touch. Let it go." If everything else he's fine with, we'll make NASA last. But there were people in that room who were like, no, SpaceX, and we got to get rid of NASA. And I was like, stop, the guy's on, on board with everything else. He's just a space geek and he likes NASA. And he doesn't understand the power of privatization yet. This is part of the journey of libertarianism is that in the beginning, you have a couple, one or two things that you might be a little bit of a mini statist on. And that's okay. We all were at one point. Exactly. It's a learning thing. Like, you know, like Raylene and I, Larry, are both ANCAPs. But at one point, we were both minarchists. At one point, I was a total statist. I was I was the guy who, who wore a T-shirt that said things like, we're going to bomb the communist godless people in your Stone Age. I was that Marine at 18 years old. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. something I look back, and this is something that, you know, I, I look back in a, in a way fondly, in a way not fondly. You know, when you're young, 17, 18, 19, and you're a Marine, life is actually very easy. It's very black and white. Mm-hmm. It's very black and white. The Marine Corps is always right. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is always wrong. It's very easy. Yeah, I'm with you, Larry, because the same thing happened to me, man. Yeah. Your story is almost identical. When I was a younger kid in my 16, 17, 18 years old, I lived in Chicago, right? So it's just the second city, right? Yep. I was a Democrat when I was really young, young adult, and then I joined the Army. And of course, what happened? We become Republicans. Yep. Right? Because everyone's a Republican. Kill, kill. I hate commies. Let's kill them. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, we're in the military. Then we see all the fraud, waste, and abuse of the state. We start yes, questioning exactly. things. Exactly. Right? Yes. We start questioning yes. things. And then we go, wait a minute. All of this is And we need to rethink everything. I love you guys. Thank you for waking up. Thank you for seeing it. Because honestly, there are so many people who walk out further indoctrinated. And and there are people like you both that did this and realized that it wasn't all good. It wasn't all good. No. Thank you. But that's the cool thing is like now, Larry, and you're probably the same way as me. It's like, you know, there's a sign. I give I give Kim hell about it. She's like, I'm already against the next war. And now I look at it. And a couple years ago, Larry, even as a quote unquote libertarian, I was like, you know, sheet of glass. Let's make him a sheet of glass. Somebody messes with us, sheet of glass. I was that guy. And I'm not that way anymore. I had to reprogram myself to think, really? Is this how we're going to solve the world's problem through violence? No. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying, man? I am with you. Okay, Larry. So regarding other candidates, other libertarians running for office, what are some roadblocks they should watch out for if they're going to run and maybe some advice to these candidates who are running in all the other states? Good question. Sure. Um, Several things. Number one, don't expect help from anybody except for your team. If it's not your team, don't expect any help. Expect the the party to ignore you. Expect most libertarians who aren't in your world to turn their back on you, if not even backstab you and hurt you. Expect that. Expect the mainstream media to completely ignore you no matter what you do. Um, Expect hit pieces from every piece of media possible if they do pay attention to you. Expect the major parties to backstab you and to be mean to you. Expect all those things. If you (laughs) expect all those things, then when some of those things don't happen, 
you'll be pleased. It's, <laughs> there's, only, it's, there's only one way, and it's up, right? <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> if you expect everyone to go, because I'm smart, or because I'm good, or because I'm whatever, that they'll start to care, because I have good ideas, nobody's going to care. They're all going to hate you. But there's going to be a couple people who don't. And when a couple of those people step up, you're going to be like, wow, that's amazing. And you'll feel really good. So if you expect them all to help you and they don't, you feel terrible. Most of the Libertarian Party, you see the the, the actual, the actual uh, campaigns always rely on eventually someone recognizing them. And when they don't, they then collapse. Mm-hmm. They push, push, push. And they go, well, then I'll be the guy who gets in the debates or I'll be the guy who gets the press. I never assumed I was going to get in any debates or get any press at all. Okay. I assumed they would just ignore me the whole way through. And I don't care. Right. That's exciting. So, so when they give me something, I'm like, wow, look at this. Like I got a piece of a press that wasn't a hit piece. Look at that. <laughs> yep. So ex- expect nothing and appreciate everything is what no, you're saying. No, expect bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is like a, this is really motivating. Yeah. This is really motivating. Everyone's just this. like, you know what? I thought I was going to do this. Shit. No, I'm not. No. Yeah. And that, and that's good. And that's good. I don't want a lot of candidates. That is the biggest, worst thing we've ever done in the Trump party. Ah, Let's thank you. Interesting. Candidate. Oh, my really God. Really bad are, idea. You're becoming Horrible. my favorite person right now. Please don't do that. We should be using candidates with surgical precision instead of trying to throw grenades in rooms. Exactly. You know, that's my opinion. Yes, and not just that. Here's what we fail and people don't get. Because of our history, it's always, I'm going to run. And they we actually say things like, I don't have to raise money. I'll just, no, yes, you do. Paper you candidate. You a team. You need a massive team. You know, you, you've talked about it really. My team is, I have dozens of people on my team. Dozens. Mm-hmm. At least at least a third of my team I've never met, at least. Hmm. Not more. I have tons of people on my team. Of course I do. What the Libertarian Party lacks is infrastructure. Right. Mm-hmm. We only built infrastructure by having a reason to create infrastructure. The problem is we think it's business. This is not. Right. This is a labor of love. This is a passion project. Yes. And if you don't have someone who gives you the passion, do you see how often I go live? Do you see how often I'm on I'm on I'm on uh, social media? Yeah. I just went on before here. I was on for twenty minutes before here. Why? Because I've got to keep giving my team the juice. I gotta keep giving them the energy. I gotta keep motivating them. This is a passion project. This isn't a business. You have to get people who wanna do this, who wanna get out and and wave signs and make their own signs and knock on doors and call people and bug the media. And you have to have a Twitter army and you've gotta have a, a you know a posse, a, you, you gotta have a, a, a social media, you know, pirate crew. You gotta <laughs> have a troll army. You need yeah. all of these things. This is dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds of people. How the hell can we do that if we got two thousand candidates? Right. There aren't enough libertarians in the country to do this yet. The reason why we don't get great candidates is because we don't have infrastructure. We have the reason, nothing to give them. Wow. I'm building out on people. That the, best, the best part about this is you ask what to expect. Expect libertarians to turn on you. And many have turned on me. Mm-hmm. And they get mad at me. And then they get upset at me. And they go, Larry, you're taking this or taking that or taking this. And I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't get mad back because they just don't understand. They'll see next year that everything that I've built this year is for them in the years coming. I have seven or eight directors. All of them can be campaign managers next year and in 2020. I have dozens of I have dozens of deputy directors. They're all directors next year and in 2020. Over half my team's not in New York State. That was on purpose so that now other states have that same talent. They've learned from my, from my from my campaign. Wow, these plans are laid. So did you have this plan specifically before you started? I had a seven-year plan two years ago. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. Yeah, of course. I'm a business guy. I plan ahead. This will be built out. And I didn't know how I was going to use it until I decided my state's so broken, I should use it on myself. Right. But that was my plan no matter what. I was going to do something. I decided this was the right thing for me in my state. So I picked this. But it didn't matter. It would have been something else. We have to build infrastructure out. Look, we want to make sure that in the future, the party has something that's valuable, that when someone wants to run, we don't say, you're running, good luck, and laugh at them. Instead, we say, you're running, great. Here are three people who are on the Sharp campaign who can help build out a team for you so you can actually have a chance at winning. Larry, really quick, Judd Weiss discussed in a previous episode of Blast Off how one of the failures of the Libertarian Party is that we don't know how to sell liberty, and we have historically pretty much permitted the engineers, in quotes, of the party to take the role of the professional salesman. He's 100% correct. This is why I literally, if you've noticed, I have a policy library. 
that not anyone can take. I share my policy team with other candidates if they ask me. Nice. Right. So, for example, um, Cash Jackson is running in Illinois. So I've shared my policy team with him. So he can use my policy team also because he's, he's running for governor also. And he asks me for help. If you ask me for help, I very often give. And if you look on my website, my policy is all right there, including the white papers. Anyone can take my policy now. That's the point. They're all libertarian answers to problems. They won't fit your state perfectly, but the concepts will. And you'll and you'll modify them for your own state or your own district or whatever the case may be. Yeah, we haven't had that. I'm literally a sales guy. That's what I do for a living. So yeah, I'm a sales trainer. People pay me to train their sales forces. So they do. So yeah, I'm training one now. Great. So speaking of, what was your biggest takeaway from both the 2016 convention and the 2018 convention? And side note, when Will Coley stepped down because he was afraid Bill Weld was going to win and then he endorsed you and then everyone was running around with signs and chanting your name, how did that feel? So that's like a three-parter. I was still doing 2016, huh? All right, fine. Um, <laughs> He's like, okay, flashback, God, 2016. No, it was like, nom. It was like, nom. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can hear the choppers now. Um, <laughs> no, um, 2016, the takeaway from me was we got to run early. Mm-hmm. That's really was my biggest takeaway was we got to run early. Got it, good. And that's why I ran so early. Like if I would have run my campaign earlier for VP, I would have won. My campaign was only three weeks long. Wow. Um, yes. if, it had, if it had been four months long, it would have been a Johnson sharp ticket. Or if Johnson would have dropped out because he didn't get well, then it would have been either a sharp Peterson ticket or a Peterson sharp ticket. You know, it's funny, Larry, when you were running, I remember you called you called all the delegates, as many as you could, personally. Yep. And that's the first time I got to talk to you. I remember. Yes. And I was, I was kind of being a but I, you know, I didn't know who you were, you know, like, I'm no. like, Hey, I'll tell you what, man, these are things that I want to know about where you stand on things, you know, but I thought it was great that you actually did it. You actually called people and actually tried to do the right thing, you know, and actually do it and actually reach out to people. Professional too. Exactly. And I think that, um, if the Johnson well ticket had run earlier, they would have done better also mm-hmm. because the mistakes they made were too close to crunch time. I'm, w- I'm with you. If you make those mistakes nine months out, nobody remembers them by the time crunch time comes. Right. Um, but their mistakes were made were too close. You might say, well, Larry, do you want to run early? Yeah, I ran. La- I started my campaign last year, July. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the nomination until April this year. Wow. Most people run after they get the nomination. It's too late. I had already built my team up. I'd already raised money. By the time... I had already raised six figures in cash before the, the the nomination. Of course, I won the nomination. Right. I already had a team in place. I was already. I'd already. I had already done media as the Libertarian candidate before before the, the convention. So was 2018 totally different as a superstar that came in there? That like the golden boy, Larry Sharp, which you are right now. Well, thank is, you. I appreciate that. Was a little different. You mean you mean the 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 for Nala? Oh, oh no no. I met the New York. I met New York State Convention. Ah, got it. Nola was useless for me. Yeah, was it useless? Interesting. Why do you think I was so unhappy with the LNC? As you said, I am the most popular person running with an L by their name. Yeah. There's a lot of people running that are nonpartisan. I run with an L by my name. I run every single interview says Libertarian, Libertarian, Libertarian. Do you know how much stage time I got in NOLA? None. No way. None. Interesting. Do you know you know how many breakout rooms so I could teach people how to run run campaigns I got? None. None. Figured. Zero. I, I figured that was the next answer. None. Yeah. Wow. And you wonder why I want to change the LNC. Yeah, I, I went, hear you. I went there and half of the people didn't know what I was running for. That's pretty crazy. How can you not know? Because I couldn't get the party to give me, I'm not joking, a press release for my first poll I paid for. And you wonder why I was happy with LNC and the LP. All right. Well, hey, Raylene, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seat belts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. NAP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. Defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest websites. Larry Sharp, Larry give Sharp. us your give dot us coms your for com your campaign. campaign. You care about making change in this nation. It's time for you to support. You have to support. If you're, if you can give money, give money. If you can't give money, give time. If you can't give time, share, 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 share. Name recognitions, everything it matters. Go to Larry Sharp for New York Facebook page or Larry Sharp Instagram, Larry Sharp Twitter, and of course LarrySharp.com/slash/donate if you want to give. And that's Larry Sharp with an E, and the E stands for electable. <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go, man. Larry, thank you so much for being on the show. And again, if you guys are not a subscriber to the show, please go to supportblastoff.com and you can hear some of our listeners wrote questions for Larry to answer. So if you guys are a subscriber, thank you guys so much for supporting the show. But if you're not, please go to supportblastoff.com. Anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket. I'm here with my Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart, and we're talking to none other than Larry Sharp. Guys, thank you so much for your time. And Larry, again, thank you for being on the show. Anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas, and we'll see you next week. Rock and roll.